I've been waiting for a long time to say this, but would you please welcome Lamont Lester to our church. Lamont, I, I've, I've loved Lamont since the day I met him. Mm-hmm. And he and I just kind of clicked, and we, we've had some conversations. Mm-hmm. So we decided not to use notes today, not to have a planned script. So I hope you weren't planning on lunch or Monday. Um, <laughs> but I, I, would, I don't really know how to open it up except to say that one of the things we both have a passion about is that in our communities, we have got to get past the division lines that have been drawn by other people yes. through the years mm-hmm. and come back to that wonderful scene that we sang about, I mentioned, it's in Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 7, where every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue are all gathered around the same throne, singing the same songs yes. for eternity, loving one another. And that's my passion. And I don't like individual Christian silos all over the place, but rather we've got to find a place, and especially right here in Middle Tennessee, absolutely, where black and white don't see each other as black and white, but as brother and sister, and where we can respect each other's cultures, mm-hmm. but where our faith trumps that. Yes. So I'm going to stop talking for a little bit, because you've got things to say. Oh, no, okay. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you, Fourth Avenue, Pastor Mead, for yeah, having me here. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, I want to say that I love Fourth Avenue. Where my Franktown at, first of all? Franktown? There we go, my Franktown. I'm a kinfolk. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out today. That, that is a blessing. But I'll start with Fourth Avenue in here, and even in my, our discussion with Pastor Mead, um, one of the things I will say, even as far as Fourth Avenue is concerned, I want you guys to know, and I talked to my wife about it, I've talked to my friends about it. Um, and when I met, first met uh, Pastor Mead, uh, was the first day I think I started Franktown over in Hard Bargain. Yes. And immediately our spirits clicked. When I saw, when we talked, he invited me out. Um, we had a great conversation, and I just saw that his spirit was so loving and so inviting. And what I would say, even as I came into Fourth Avenue and began to um, I was sharing with Elder Barry, he said, you know, he said, asked me something about the church, and I said, I'm at this church almost every day. Um, I'm in the hallways, I, have, I said, I have keys to the church. He was like, really? I said, yeah, I got keys to pretty much all the rooms in here. Go in and out, kitchen and everything, um, and pretty much do what I want. And I was sharing, I shared with my wife, I shared with other people, I said, the spirit that Pastor Mead has, that spirit of love that just exudes from him, I've experienced it all every day that I come over in and out of these classrooms. When I'm interacting with Nancy and, and Debbie and uh, the Morgans and all these wonderful people, uh, Wayne Howell and Mr. Irvin and Mr. Roby, he don't like me to call him Mr. Roby, he told me about that, that's his daddy, but uh, Michael Roby, but just all the great people that I encounter, um, especially when I come on the ones that are on staff here, when I'm in and out um, on a daily basis going, the love that, ex- exib- ex- that is exhibited from this church, from the people, um, is so genuine. Um, and I'll just, and this, will get, get, this may be a segue for Pastor, but um, I, think I, told, I think I talked to Wayne Howell about it, and I said that, and we're talking black and white, 
Yeah, we can loosen up here. I know that's a touchy subject, you know, but, you know, but this is why we're here to kind of touch on some of those things. But I was sharing with Wayne, I said, really, and, and my kids attest to it, we talk all the time, but when I go back and forth from room to room, to the kitchen, to the back, you know, upstairs, or I'm cooking, or whatever that looks like during a day-to-day basis, one thing that we, uh, our culture that he talked about, and um, I, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but our culture and society has taught us, tries its best to pit us against each other. Black, white, Republican, Democrat, male, female, and they're steady more, steady more putting us against one another. And even as an African-American male, a lot of things that are going on in society in Baltimore, Ferguson, all these things really become a concern to the African-American male in a lot of cases. With that being said, when I come into Fourth Avenue, it is a place that I go through and being in this brown skin that I'm in on a daily basis, when we go, uh, when my kids go to the malls or they, um, and some, you know, or when they go somewhere, sometimes we may feel that we're being watched. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with that being said, the thing that has blessed me so much as an Afri- African-American male, being in here and meeting the love of God in this building and with the hearts of the people that I meet is that there's no suspicion. I'm able to walk to and fro from room to room, place to place, you know, and with that, where do you want to go? What do you need? And it's always, what do you need? How can I help? You're looking for anything. And with that, they're not looking at me as a, a black man or Afri- in their building. And the thing is, it's so much of a blessing. I will share with my wife and I share with others. Even in our own culture as African-Americans, we look at each other suspicious. It, let's just be, can we be real today? Can we be real in here? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. We right. came to be transparent. But even in our own cultures, you know, we size each other up and we have our own um, insecurities that we deal with. So I'm with it even my, in my own culture, but to be able to go to and fro, I can walk in past his office, or I can walk in here with no suspicion, with nobody looking at us, it's a beautiful thing for the body of Christ. And I thank yeah, you guys. Thank you. Amen. Up, up in Detroit, we did a, a, we tried to do pulpit swaps from time to time. Problem was, we had three services, mm-hmm. and none of the other churches wanted to preach three services. Right. So, uh, in fact, we had one guy preached once, got up the second time going, I got to do this again. Mm-hmm. And third time, he didn't show up. He was just, he's <laughs> gone. So, it, it got to be a struggle. But anyway, I went down to Wyoming Avenue Church of Christ, which mm-hmm. is uh, entirely African-American because that's where it is in that particular section of Detroit. That's its draw. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing the first time. I'm trying, I'm trying to tiptoe through some of the subjects. And this very old African-American lady in front of me, who is probably not wanting to be called very old, uh-huh. in- interrupted me. She said, preacher. And I looked at her and said, yes, ma'am. She said, you know you're white, don't you? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she said, well, we know we're black. Just talk. Mm, I love it. And it, love that it. helped. Yeah, it helped Amen. a lot. Um, one of the things which is the devil likes to divide. Yes. That's his whole thing. God likes to bring us together. Mm-hmm. He brought together Adam and Eve. He brings together, uh, he brings together the races in Scripture. 
The man that carried Jesus' cross would have been a black-skinned man. Moses married a black-skinned woman, and when people complained against it, he cursed them Mm -hmm. for complaining. God brings us together, and when Jesus was in the garden on the night he knew he was going to die, he had a selection. He had his choice of what Mm -hmm. to pray for, and he prayed for unity. He said, let them be one, Father, as I am in you and you are in me, that the world may believe. The devil can keep us from not believing if he can keep us apart. Yes. As I said to Lamont, uh, I believe this was on Tuesday as we were uh, having lunch, I said, one of the things that I can do with Lamont is whenever I see people, I have eyes that work, and therefore I'm able to tell what color you are. But somehow we've got to go from black man to brother to friend to Lamont. I mean, he's, he's Lamont. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've got to make that journey. And knowing the devil's going to fight us every step of the way, but that the Holy Spirit is greater than the devil. Yes. Even in Middle Tennessee. And I'm not trying to say Middle Tennessee is a hotbed of racism. Frankly, I wouldn't know because I wouldn't be the subject of it. What I am saying is that when I go to churches, there aren't that many that are mixed. Right. And those that are mixed, not all of their leadership is mixed. We got a long road to... Yes, absolutely. But as long as we're breathing, as I tell my wife, as long as I can fog a mirror, there's something for me to do. Amen. You know, I I guess we have a job to do, Lamont. Absolutely. And um, in our discussion, I took it and really kind of prayed on it. One of the things that, um, that, that really came to me, I was kind of praying, and I got... What social media and the media has done for us as people, um, just in, in general, I would say I would actually uh, equate it to uh, a cataract condition. Cataract is a medical condition in which lenses of the eye become progressively opaque, resulting in blurred vision. And what the media and society has done is every time you turn a channel, you got Baltimore, you got Ferguson, you got what's going on at the Missouri College, and who did this, and then you got the Republicans and the Democrats, and you got all this stuff, and what has killed our country as a whole, and what the biggest, the, the weapon, the biggest weapon that the enemy is using against today's society is the spirit of offense. Mm-hmm. This spirit of offense comes in so many different packages, and when we see Ferguson, when we see Missouri, and we see what it does, the cataract condition is a medical condition where it begins to make things seem blurry or blurred. But as we begin to see the media and these flashes and these images of, you know, uh, black people matter, you know, uh, black kids, whatever it is. Black lives Black matter, lives matter, matter, all this stuff. It begins to distort our vision. And we are not looking through just visions of, um, you know, just I'm looking at him. I'm looking at, well, what's his agenda? Well, what's going on? And I kind of equate, the Lord gave me my wife, uh, my lovely wife, my family are here. Thank the Lord for them. There they are there. Uh, let's give them a hand, Welcome. y'all. <laughs> but with that being said, I just started wearing glasses, I would say, over the past three years. I was in denial that I needed them. I did not want to do it, but my wife's like, well, you, know, you need glasses. So even, you know, so now I've even crossed over into bifocals, and I'm just like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I broke my glasses not too long ago, and my kids was like, Miss Lamont, when are you going to get some more glasses? I'm just like, I'm not used to this. Y'all leave me alone, you know. But uh, with that being said, I'm, my wife has worn glasses all of her life. 
And a lot of times we have a kind of ongoing joke in the house sometimes. I was like, sweet, I'm like, you need to clean your glasses. And she can't see it, but I see it all the time. And I'm like, can you see through those? And I'm just, you know, I'm just like, you know, and she's just like, I don't see anything that's fine with me. So she'll look at it and she'll be like, oh, my glasses are dirty. So she'll take off her glasses. And what has happened to us as a society, because we've seen so many images of, of death and hate and Republican versus Democrat, and, we're, and it's beginning to blur our vision to where everything we look at, I look at, well, what's he doing? You know, you know, why he has his hand in his pocket? You know, a black man's behind me, you know, spinning look, look around, you know. And with that, our vision has become so blurry and so marred by what social media has done. A lot of times we're walking around and we don't even know our lenses are dirty. That's right. And what love does, when, when I go down the hallway and I'm walking indoors and going in and out and I run into Debbie and I'm late because we got a cook and Miss Mary's on the way with the bus and I'm, I'm pulling and such and such and Debbie comes down and she says, hey Lamont, you need me to brown your meat for you? And I'm just like, really? <laughs> She's working, but she just stops in the middle and she jumps in and she starts browning my meat for me, trying to get ready for the kids. And I'm saying, but what that does to me is she's really cleaning my lenses. Yes. Absolutely. So that love that she gives. So when my kids, my young kids say, hey, Miss Lamont, you know, them people don't like us or such and such, such and such, I'd be like, no, baby, it's not that. Your lenses are just dirty. That's right. So every time that love is shown or someone comes in an encounter, every time I meet someone and they do something, it's like they're cleaning my lenses of the world of what God is really expecting from us. That's, that's brilliant, yes, absolutely. We really have to decide, do we believe in God? Because if we do, we're going to believe that love is what our command is. Yes. And we're going to believe that we are one people before him, made in the image of God. And we're going to believe and, and obey, rather, Jesus' most often given command. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Love one another. That's what we're supposed to do. And let me just be very plain and very blunt here. Our treatment of Lamont is the way we would treat anyone coming in here. This is not about white guilt. This is about faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I, I would ask you, please, do not become enamored with the dance of the elephants and the donkeys. Mm. Politicians stay in power by making you afraid. Yes. Jesus says, fear not. Mm. Corporations stay in power by making you afraid. You're going to run out or your present for Christmas is not going to be enough because on television you see they're giving away Mercedes. Yes. Seriously? <laughs> That's kind of raising the bar there. Right, it yes. is, it is, it is, Listen, it is. I'm not getting a Mercedes Hot Wheels, much right. less. Um, <laughs> our, our treatment, in fact, I think I, could, I can say this, that every time I've seen you, we've hugged or we've waved if you were mm -hmm. rushing somewhere, and I've said, what can we do for you? Yes. And it's sincere, but it's also what I say to white people. It's what I say to anybody, because we're all made in the image and the likeness of God. Yes. And while there may be a little bit of melanin, a little bit of pigment change, and there might be some cultural differences because you live here or there, and I might not understand everything that an African-American is talking about, to be very open, 
I don't understand everything my secretary is talking about. <laughs> right. Because right. she was raised here. Right. And, I, and she and I kid about this all the time. The, I, I think she's kidding. Uh, I, <laughs> I go back in my office and I go, were those actual words? Right. right. Uh, how, <laughs> so cultural differences are everywhere. Mm-hmm. But Lydia knows I love her mm-hmm. absolutely and respect her yeah. absolutely. And the same with you. The same with you, uh, Elder Barry. I just met you. But I'd die for you. I'd do whatever, whatever you need because you're my brother in Christ and love has got to trump everything else. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. You know, it, it's a good start. We didn't even talk about this, but this is a good start. But we know it can't end here. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. And one of the things we talked about, I would say um, Franklin. We kind of talked about the Franklin is probably the, in the nation, it's the 34th largest growing county in the nation in the United States. And they're all on the road between me and work. <laughs> absolutely. 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 So this place is really expanding and, and everybody's coming to Williamson County. And even I met so many great people through Franktown, which is a great vehicle. And even with that, you're getting people from all different races, nationalities, uh, economical backgrounds and everything. And we've talked past and I said one of the things that we talked about is Franklin. And let me go, let me say, bring it to Fourth Avenue. Fourth Avenue is definitely the anchor for Franktown Open Hearts. And I thank God for that. They are the anchor church for Franktown, but with that being said, because I've had other people come into, come to Franktown and just even in the South, and we are just so territorial, you know, whether, um, you know, denominations keeps us apart or this or that, and even as I worked at Franktown, a lot of people, I, we've had to clear the air and, uh, of some people coming in and saying, well, that's Fourth Avenue's ministry. We're just like, no, it's the kingdom's ministry. But sometimes in their mind, because of this spirit of competition, because it's Fourth, they don't want to get involved because that's fourth thing. So they kind of, everybody says segregated and kind of keeps to themselves because that's a force, that's force baby. But with that being said, the, the anchor and the love that comes through Franktown has been birthed through this church. And with that being said, um, all of us, these people that are coming in, we have really an opportunity um, for revival for the kingdom of God, even in this area. Sure. And I say that because that spirit of offense um, it's so deep-rooted in the world to even when I came to Franklin, I began to find out about the, different, the history of Franklin. There's a lot of deep-rooted hurt from the African-American community, the things that have gone on in this city, to where they're bitter, they have problems trusting, and, and just kind of sitting back, you know, and, and really need to be healed. And that's what even this service, I'm praying that, that this is that beginning. Beginning. And then there's also the, the, the white, my white brothers and sisters, that some that feel like, hey, you know what, what's the problem? They just need to get over it. You know, they need to pick themselves up by their boots and, and get to going. And with that, I see it as a great opportunity for the kingdom of God to really revival to break out. Because if we could ever, as an African-American community in this area, get over our 
bitterness, our hurt of, of what they did and trying to blame on the, black, the white man. No, it ain't the white man's fault. It's, it's your fault. If you don't put in an application, if you don't pull up your pants, if you're smoking weed, no, it's your fault. So I'm, but you can't say that, but I can say that. <laughs> with that being said, no, it's not your fault. So with that, if we can accept our responsibility for what we need to do, and learn to empower ourselves, and then my white brothers over here can say, hey, you know what, I can empathize with you, I don't see you as less than, I don't, just, just, I don't see you as beneath me, or whatever, and they could, we could come to this term of, I forgive you, and you could come to this, and I forgive you, and I want to help my brother. That's the foundation of principles for revival. It because is. if we could heal, you know, if we could come up, and some of you all could come down, God, that's a birthing place for the Lord to heal both of us and we come together and work as a community. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Amen. Now, uh, one of the ways, uh, in fact, we cannot heal until we hear each other's stories. Amen. You know, I've, I've been white all my life. <laughs> and I know that's, I'm, I'm a paragon of consistency. Right. Um, <laughs> And therefore, I don't know the stories. Mm -hmm. And this really hit home years and years ago now. I was in Memphis for a while and had, an, had a free day. And so I went to the National Civil Rights Museum, or National Museum of, of Civil Rights, uh, there in Memphis. And it's in the hotel where Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. Mm. I didn't know that when I saw the address. And I drove up and I looked and I was going, wait a minute. What is this? And I thought I would spend an hour or so inside. I'm a quick reader. But I spent all day long in there. And I left angry. And the reason I left angry was because I didn't know these stories, and I should have. Mm. They weren't taught to me. I didn't know about this. And, so, and, and by the way, don't say, well, it's because you were in Scotland. I've spent the majority of my life right in America, all over America. And I, I didn't hear these stories. So I bought the three, because I'm obsessive like this. I bought the three volume. They're all about that big. Those listening on the internet, it's about that big. I, um, <laughs> there's got to be a penalty for not coming, don't you think? Right, so they're right, there. Right, right. The Taylor Branch uh, books, uh, America and the King Years, each of them about 1,000 pages. I was fascinated by the stories. Once I heard the stories... I began to empathize. I will never be able to understand completely. But to empathize enough to go, you know, I might have been given offense. Mm -hmm. I need to listen more. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I like about working with Lamont is that he's not afraid to tell me a story. And that's, I, I want to hear the stories because that's the only way I'm going to get it. Oh, somebody laughed when I said this. Oh, my boy, Ken Folk, my, my, my Ken Folk Wayne Howell up there. That's my, that's my nut brother up there. Well, Wayne, Wayne is crazy. Y'all know Wayne. Well, there's, there's a reason we put him up there. <laughs> so. I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> but it, we're not going to hear the stories if we're not together. So let me, let me ask you to do something here. I'm going to put you on the spot, Fourth Avenue. You are known uh, as a church mm -hmm. with wide open arms welcoming anybody. You're known for that. You're known for love from parking lot to the pew. You're known for being wrapped all around Franktown, Grace Works, one generation away in particular, yes. but also other ministries. You're known for this, so I'm going to put you on the spot. We cannot truly know our African-American brothers and sisters by worshiping with them on Sunday for a bit. We've got to go to lunch with them. Yes. 
we got to have them in our house. Mm-hmm. And they, they need to know us too. Absolutely. They need to know our stories because our stories are very different. You know, I can't speak for white people. He can't speak for black people because everyone's an individual. Right, right. So we need to hear the stories. That won't happen if we're not together during the week. Mm-hmm. In the first century, Jews and Gentiles were able to become one because daily from house to house, they worshiped, they ate, yes. they prayed. Mm-hmm. That's what we got to do. Yeah, yeah. And that speaks to um, the thing we talked about even with Franktown, and I love Fourth Avenue. I love Fourth Avenue. I told my wife, I said, I've never been to a service here, but the, the love of the Lord is so thick in the hallways and the people that I meet on a daily basis, it, it draws me. And with that, and even what they do at Franktown, you know, even what they do, you know, how, and not just Franktown, they've done stuff for, uh, you know, like you said, generation, uh, one generation away mm-hmm. and, and Grace, Grace Works, works and yeah. uh, they've done a um, special needs mm-hmm. uh, ministry, things, kids for special needs, kids, just great stuff. So all during the week, I'm just seeing great things that they're doing. I'm like, man, this church is really doing, doing the work. And with that, um, I meet with one of my white brothers. We meet every week and we have lunch and we're getting to, we're sitting down at the table. And with the table, when we sit at the table, we ask all kinds of questions. He asked me, he said, he said, Lamont, he said, what do I call you? He said, do I call you black or African-American? You know, I mean, just these are questions that he wants to know. And we sat and talked, and he, one, one day we was there, and he said, you know, he said, Lamont, he said, um, he said, why do we got to talk about that? Why do we got to come together and, and, you know, why do we got to come to the table? I said, well, I equated to, how many of you guys have seen Braveheart, um, the movie Braveheart back in the day? Um, it's my favorite movie to the last 10 minutes. It's one of mine mi- too. I love it. I love it. I love the, the it. The last I, 10 minutes aren't I love it. I I'm absolutely sorry. love it. Ends, uh, ends the Last Samurai. Um, but yeah. these are movies of war. And we kind of talked about it. So many times in war, in the old days, you would have what they call the artillery, what is the, the, the air assault? Uh, right, right. You have the, you have the archers. You have the archers. And the archers would line up on one side of the field and they would line up their archers on that side of the field. And what they would do is shoot arrows back and forth, and you try to kill as many as you can from a distance. And I kind of equate that even to the church, you know, even in spiritual warfare, the prayer warriors, people that are good in, you know, in, in, in summoning the Lord. Uh, Elder Bear is a prayer warrior. I think um, Albert Lemons is a prayer warrior. Yes. But these are the ones that are sending prayers that arrow you, uh, artillery you, that's sending prayers way over to fight off demons, powers and principalities from afar. So that way, they're shooting arrows, they're sitting the prayers, they're praying for Nashville, they're praying for the president, they're praying and sending arrows back and forth. Now with that, that's definitely great and it's definitely needed because you break out a whole lot of stuff that you don't even have to deal with in prayer. We're tilling the ground in prayer. But at some point, we're going to have to meet in the middle of the field. That's right. And what that looks like is we want to pray for, a thing I love about Fourth Avenue is they send the prayers over to, to Cherokee and they send them to, to you know, Spring Street and all that, but they've also said, hey, they're meeting Franktown in the middle of the field. Now, people don't like to get in the middle field because when you're in the middle field, it's hand-to-hand combat. It's close, it's personal, you see people next to you dying, you see an arms cut off and it's gory and it's ugly. But in that case, I'd rather shoot my arrows and just pray for a community as opposed to getting in the field with them. Now, that's the thing I told Lamar. I said, with black and white, they want to pray for racial reconciliation, 
but you get real reconciliation when you come to the table. That's right. That's right. So we need to. So sometimes I may get hurt up close and personal. You get hurt. You know, I can really be hurt because I'm right here in your proximity to where you can really injure me. But most of us, and even the body of Christ these days, we don't want to do hand-to-hand combat. We just, want, we, just want, we just want to pray, but we don't want to get outside these walls. And even for these kids that, that are joining gangs and ISIS, you know, I would say that even in basketball, the San Antonio Spurs is my favorite team, but a lot of people don't like the San Antonio Spurs because they're good guys. They don't have any street cred. So I would say that even the body of Christ, in a lot of cases, we don't have any street cred. That's a very true. That is very true. We're not seen as the, the ones that get, get dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're flocking to, these young people that are out here. They're the Crips, ISIS, everybody. They're right here hand to hand. Come on, you know, so, you know, right in your face. Social media, putting it out there all over you. But we as a church, we just want to pray for somebody. And I thank God for you guys hand to hand combat. Well, thank Amen. you, brother. Amen. And, and, and. Ken folk. <laughs> we're, in just a couple minutes, we're going to ask uh, Elder Barry to pray over us, and we'll step down for that so mm-hmm. you can have the stand mic for yes. that. But before we go, I want to I throw a bomb out. All right, I already gave you a challenge about being in each other's life. The kingdom of God has got to trump everything. I love this church. Yes. There's even a state historical marker out front about this being one of the first churches of Christ. I love this church. But if for the healing of God's kingdom, this church has to be dissolved into other groups, God's will be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If the name Church of Christ has to disappear and we're just known as Christians, okay, that would be fine. I don't want a church to die just because people weren't interested. Amen. I, what I'd like for, to happen is a church not die but that it quit meeting individually under brand names, but instead arm in arm, marching toward Jesus, driven by love. Yes. And that's what we want to get started here. I have no idea where it's going to go. Amen. But I'm not in charge of that and don't really care. Right. Yeah. Right. God was doing really good before I was born, and he's going to do good when I'm dead. That's Mm. a little annoying, but it's true. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to get, so this is his first worship he's ever been here, right? It is, it is. And he got to preach. And I How's wanted, that for welcoming? That's it. <laughs> let, let me, and let me say this. I want to say this brief because we had lunch. I think Pastor wanted me to share it. I'm going to make this in like two minutes. I think no, he take said, your time. share that with the congregation. Um, one of the things that how the world is so aggressive and everything is going on with media and social media, I think we are sitting talking with Pastor on Tuesday. He said, he said, I want you to share that with the congregation. Yes. And I would say, with that, because sin and everything is so out of hand, the sin and the magnitude of everything has gotten such more and more aggressive. So now we're looking at um, everything. Everybody know what happened in France a couple of weeks ago with the terrorists. Everybody know? Yeah. They just, everybody look at the yeah. blank yeah. face? Y'all know what I'm talking about? This I'm church of Christ. They're not I know, I know, I know. Y'all help me out. I'm used to t- response. I mean, man. No, but what that means is that. Help me somebody, okay. Uh, With France, everybody knows the terrorist attacks that took place. And with that, there's so much going on, and Wayne, you'll appreciate this. What the atmosphere has called for with all this stuff going on, and people are like, man, how could they do this? And such and such a thing is, we are at a place to where 
so much sin and so much is going forward, and they're looking at these guys and the, the terrorists. Now they're saying, hey, you know, these guys are the radicals. You know, these guys are thinking outside the box. And what they've done, I would even consider them even as game changers, because if you look at um, bin Laden, if you look at what happened in France, if you're looking at Jeho Mahoney John, whatever his name, if you're looking at these individuals, you're looking at them just like, man, where did these guys come from? You know, because they've completely changed the face of war because we have the strongest military in the world, but with this, now we don't know how to fight these guys. Because what was normally, you build your tanks, you come up and you shoot and you blow them up, no, they're over here, they're hiding holes, they're underground, and we have no, it's a very unconventional war that we're fighting these days. So with that being said, I consider Franktown as even, I talked to Wayne, I said, this is just an unconventional evangelism. We have to become just as unconventional as the atmosphere calls for. So even when they did those attacks in France and they were just like, man, who's the mastermind behind this? And these guys are doing all this. I told Pastor, I said, I'm so encouraged by everything that went on because at the same time, God is not behind on this thing because he's also lining up some radicals for the body of Christ. Right. Wayne Howe, my kid folk, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, people that are centric, Wayne, and um, I would say um, Shift Ministries and all these different people that I've met, um, Lamar Odom, that really are thinking outside of the box. And even that, and even Pastor Me you know, would be a radical who doesn't just think conventional thinking of, hey, let's do church like we've always done. This war is calling for people that look at things completely different from the way things have been done. So we're in an unconventional war, and I'm convinced that the enemy doesn't have any power because if he had any sense whatsoever, there's no way that he would have allowed us to meet That's right. and be here today to be able to tear down his kingdom. But my encouragement, and, my, and I'll leave you with this, my encouragement to you is, just like the enemy is setting up uh, different things and saying, okay, well, he's attacked in four different places and we're sitting and looking in awe and, man, how did they do that? God is also bringing his people together. He's also hooking up his divine connections. Myself with Franktown, Nashville with Franklin, us with Murfreesboro. He's bringing in his, he's bringing his radicals that are thinking and strategically planning. And I would encourage you in this before I go, I'm not really mad at what they're doing for their God, ISIS and everything. The thing that really upsets me is the thing we won't do for ours. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand, please? After this prayer by, by Elder Barry, the band will lead us in one more song but love on each other before you go to class or before you depart. Come on over. Yes. yes sir. Let him have his way. I'm going to ask if you would grab the hand of someone next to you. Amen. Father, we thank you that the hand that we are holding, you've called special. Yes, Lord. And they sang a song earlier that nothing can defeat us if we're walking hand in hand. You said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples by the love we have one toward another. And Lord God, we've heard the subject, a very sensitive subject talked about this morning about race and ra racial reconciliation. But more importantly, you want to make us one. Yes, Lord. That is the cry of your heart, Father. We ask your forgiveness for the sin of sectarianism. 
But we are just separate in our silos as the pastor shared. And, and we're not reaching beyond our boundaries, Lord. I, I just ask that you would forgive us and give us grace and empower us, Lord, to, to reach out, Lord, because there's so many people hurting. There's so many people need what you put in us. We've been to so many ser services and Bible studies, and we've learned so much about you, Lord. And now it's time to go and share that with somebody else. Lord, we are your hands, and we are your feet, and we are your body. So, Lord, bless us and increase us and cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, you said in heaven, Lord God, through, through, through the apostle John, that they were from every nation and tongue and tribe and kindred. And you also said, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in heaven there is nothing separate. Everybody is on one accord up there. But you want heaven to come to earth. And we ask that heaven would invade earth, Lord, through us. You called us together to hear this message because you believe, Father, that we are the ones that can make a difference. The ones in this room are the ones, Lord God, that you are assigning to this task. And we thank you, Lord God, where there is sin abounding. You say grace does much more abound. So we thank you for the grace and the empowerment and the wisdom and the love and the compassion to go beyond the very boundaries that we've even set for ourselves. We make no decisions based out of fear, but we make every decision based out of faith and love. And we thank you for that love that flows from our heart, that we can love one another out of a pure heart fervently. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God.